What's, What's up, bitches? <laughs> that is about as as, uh, as good as it always is. That that makes the two of us sound really professional. <laughs> right, one more time. Ready? One, two, three. What's, What's up, up, bitches? <laughs> this is... Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Firelight. And I'm Velma Nightshade. And we have some friends with us today. Uh, a few years ago, uh, about six years ago, uh, Velma uh, spearheaded a campaign to create the Pagan Podkin Supermoot. And for good or for ill, uh, it lasted for about five years mm-hmm. um, and uh, kind of went by the wayside um, in the last couple of years. But we thought it would be a super fun and enjoyable thing uh, on this most tense of political seasons to take a step back and have a political free zone where we can have fun, have witchy conversations and just kind of geek out over one another. So we decided to make that a Pagan Podkin Supermoot reunion episode uh, and invited the Pagan Podkin Supermoot class of uh, 2010 back. So on Skype with us today, uh, we have Corey of New World Witchery. Hi, Corey. Yay! Hello. <laughs> uh, we have Scarlet of Lakefront, Lakefront Pagan Voice. Hello. Yay. Uh, and Velma, I want you to introduce the last one. <laughs> and finally, we have my good friend who I call Jilly Bean from Iron Powaka Radio, Jillian. Say hi, hi y'all. <laughs> oh, yay. oh, man. Okay, so... <laughs> I know that Velma and I don't normally have much of a structure to inciting a brouhaha. There's, um, structure? there's there all? is there is even less structure <laughs> planned for this particular particular this a, episode. It's a Friday night podkin free for all. Is basically what it is. <laughs> basically a Friday night podkin free for all. If this is something that you guys end up enjoying, who knows? This might uh, be able to continue on into the future as, as some kind of ongoing thing. Um, but uh, I, I first of all wanted to uh, just kind of throw out there. Uh, this is a reunion episode. Uh, it's been six years since our first uh, super moot. So for those that maybe haven't, uh, you know, kept up with each of our respective shows, um, uh, Scarlett, Jillian, Corey, what's been going on with you guys for the last, you know, six years? <laughs> What what has what hath changed in your life since our first supermoot since this is a reunion? Scarlet? Um, Sorry, I just realized we didn't give any kind of word to that. Scarlet, what about you? <laughs> um, well, I guess a lot. Um but nothing that I could really pin down, I guess. So I don't really know what to say. Um you got a hedgehog. I, yeah, I got a hedgehog. I got an uh cat. Um <laughs> And I guess things have just changed in my spiritual life and my magical life. And um, everything else seems to be going along. <laughs> uh, Scarlett, I just wanted to say that I uh, recommended to, to Venna, who does the, the book reviews and things for my show. I recommended to her just the other day to go back and listen to your uh, podcast on blood sacrifice. I actually recommend that podcast a lot. You know what? Episode. You know what? I was always, I got to tell you something 
I have always wondered why that is like my number one rated show episode. Oh, <laughs> I, I'm not even kidding you. I, anytime anybody ever talks about sacrifice ever, I straight up tell them to go to that episode of your show. I, Siri, I'm not lying. I, I'm like, I always like, why is that one? Where is that way on? It's like, you know, I c- couldn't give you a number, but just like, it's just complete spike. <laughs> Well, you're like welcome. Spike. Like, I'm like, why is it this episode? I, I just, it, it's, it has stayed with me all of these years. And I specifically constantly recommend that show to people. That, of, of that explains a lot. <laughs> I get it now. It, yeah. It's a really good episode. And I love it because it's a topic not covered very often, which I think is something that each of our respective shows was good at is is covering things that not a lot of other pagan podcasts, especially at the time, covered. So uh, good job on Lakefront Pagan Voice, I guess. Thanks for that. Uh, yeah. Sc- uh, Scarlett, can I say, I really liked your Sonic Ritual as well. Oh, yeah. That episode I, was, I, was really good. I loved doing it. I have that music whenever I want to do some work. Um, so I plan on doing another one similar to that. I just don't quite know what topic, and I haven't really worked the details out yet. This past year, I kind of mm, pod faded a little. Um, I think I did my last episode in February last year. And then this year, I just first of the year, I said, you know what? I'm going to come back. So I just did one. But it's been kind of one of those, you know, the, the energy <laughs> wasn't there. And I kind of been cleaning up some stuff in my life. So <laughs> none of us know what that's like. <laughs> Thelma. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> well, we'll get to me. I want to hear from them first. Jillian. Jillian, what about you? Well, I bought a horse. <laughs> I bought a farm. Um, I'm on a farm. I'm down on the farm. <laughs> are, are, you, are you drinking? Are you drinking on the farm, Jillian? <laughs> Am I what? Are you drinking on the farm tonight, Jillian? I'm drinking. I'm drinking on the farm. All right. <laughs> um, and like Scarlett, I think my my practice has changed. My my path has kind of changed. I've. Why are you laughing at me? Because <laughs> <laughs> that is the most you thing I have ever heard anybody say in my entire life. It's great. I love it. <laughs> Well, I've missed you so much. <laughs> and Starlight has his video on, by the way. So he's like waving his hands and, and laughing. So you're killing me. All right. All right. <laughs> oh, Lord. I don't know, Corey. What, what have you been up to? <laughs> um... Well, first, I, you know, I have missed you too, Jelly. I, you know, your 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 voice was always one of those nice, very stabilizing, uh, but also like challenging voices in in the podcasting community. So I do kind of miss you being around. Um, but well, I am glad you. that you are. I am glad that you are having your your farm and your your farm life that I know you were you were really craving. You you were working on a witchy cabin, weren't you, for a while? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I still am. <laughs> <laughs> Working. I, I have to say, 
I think of anybody's like pictures on Facebook of like their surround, like their immediate surroundings. I'm always so jealous of Jillian's. Yes. Like mm-hmm. her home, ha- like her home, her, the, the area around her home, just any p- picture she posts that she took. I'm always just like, I want to be transported to this world. Like it's just so beautiful. You live in such it lush. surroundings. Yeah, it's a beautiful state. It's a beautiful area. But you guys need to join me in like the dead of winter when there's, you know, <laughs> drifting snow and all that. <laughs> I, I live in Chicago. I'm good on the winter. I know, you have that too. Everybody, everybody has it actually. All of us have it. Even Corey has it now. I do. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we had I, like 36 inches where I was last year. So. Uh, I will say, Jillian, I was going back to listen to the the one and only time I ever did an episode with uh, Yule Stories, and I was listening to you read The Night the Animals Could Talk, oh. and I got teary again. I got teary. I mean, first of all, I just I I just think that you are one of those people that always needs to have a microphone. Like seriously, I just I love loved Iron Pearl Walker Radio so much, and I miss it so much. Um, but I I just I don't know just something about you reading that story. I just love when you you know get so passionate about something, especially folklore and things like that. I just think you do such a wonderful job, and your advocacy and support of animals is just so heartening. So it just it made me teary to hear you again, and I was just listening to that a few weeks ago, so it made me think of you. <laughs> I've been so nostalgic oh, for you lately. <laughs> thank you so much. I I love that story. I you know I changed it to the pagan perspective. Of but when I was a little kid, it used to be one of my favorite Christmas stories. So it just made sense to uh, switch it up and, and make it sort of more earthy to me. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I mean, you did such a wonderful job. Uh, Corey? Uh, so I guess since people heard me last on this show, uh, <laughs> continue, continue on with uh, New World Witchery. Uh, actually, um in tight competition with Firelight for episode numbers currently, which is good. It's a healthy place to be, right? Um, even though I'm, I'm clearly clearly winning in terms of actual recorded episodes, but that's okay. Um, you know what? Listen here, Bucko. I think in, I think in hours of audio, I think especially with some of those middle podcasts of mine, I still might be ahead. It's, it is entirely possible. You do have some like two and a half hour doozies that would be hard to talk. I sure, I sure do. I sure, I feel, I just, can I just issue a retroactive apology for my, <laughs> for my wildly lengthy and unnecessarily convoluted episodes? It's too late. You've already damaged everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Corey, please continue. Uh, that's fine. Um, so I've been working on, uh, so we've been doing the New World Witchery show. We, uh, actually launched that as a, a Patreon sponsored show last year, which was really, um, which helped us do a lot more in the past year than we've done, honestly, in like the two or three years previous to that. Um, and then I also launched a new podcast, which is all about kind of the intersection of folklore and, uh, science, nature, um, literature, things like that. Um, so I, that was something else that has kind of happened in the past year or so. Uh, and then I am, you know, uh, a few chapters away, I guess, from a PhD. So, so things going fairly well so far. You know, you're kind of nuts, right? All these projects. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I sort of describe myself as too many irons and not in a fire. So. <laughs> I think uh, some Chasing. of us can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Chasing Foxfire is so brilliant. Oh, thank you. It's so brilliant. I mean, if you are not picked up by NPR in the next year, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. That's sweet. That's very sweet. I, I don't think I, I'm it, there yet, but I appreciate that. <laughs> it upsets me how good you are at things. Oh, thanks. It upsets me, it upsets me how beautiful like your hair is. So. <laughs> I still can't tell whether like or not you're throwing shade. <laughs> Oh, God. Somebody was trying to say something. Hang on. Oh, sorry. Yes, what, what, Jillian? Oh, I said I can't wait to say Dr. Corey. Right? (laughs) I can't either. I don't think Corey can wait until he he gets to say Dr. Corey. (laughs) Actually, he's very thrilled. No, I found, like, because, so, you know, I teach classes, and so my students, you know, they they want to call me doctor, whatever, you know, and, and, and it kind of flips me out a little bit, but I found like last semester that one of them started calling me Mr. H and I was like, that's perfect. I am totally like the high school science teacher. That's, that's my persona. So I'm Mr. H now and I really dig that. Oh, so you say Mr. H and I think like Saturday morning cartoon bad guy. Mr. Like I feel like he's, you're he's okay with that too. Yeah. I, I, I feel like you're going to terrorize some anthropomorphic ducks or something. <laughs> We have a lot of ducks where I live, so that's that's a fair fair idea. Why not? No, no, they're anthropomorphic rabbit children, and you're like <laughs> the vague, shadowy, evil figure, you know, from the city. <laughs> just, just the city, <laughs> and you have gadgets and mysticism. <laughs> this needs to be a thing. This really needs to be a thing. I really think it doesn't. Um... <laughs> I need to draw this. I need to draw Mr. H going up against like some kind of rabbit trio. Well, and everybody knows where me and Velma have been. So this, yeah. this is our show. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, let's see. Uh, Velma, we have some, uh, some comments. Um, we do. Do you want to, so we put it out on social media, uh, that we were going to be having a little informal round table thing and, uh, some folks wrote in, uh, Velma, you want to lead us off on some of these, uh, Oh, that means comments? I have to pick one. They're so sure. good. They're all so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, can I ask when I don't know my own answer to? <laughs> I think that would be the best one to ask. Because I, I really like this one, and it is um, about magical flops. Spells that have failed, and why you think they failed, and what you have learned from them. Um, I think this is really interesting, but I have no idea what my own answer would be. Well, I think, Corey, you had a pretty big episode that was a, a kind of a big turning point for new world witchery at least in my eyes whenever you guys did your your magical flops episode it was so big that you guys revisited it recently right we did yes uh, and yeah, yeah that was one of that was one of our ones in our first year um mm-hmm. and people really really responded to that uh which i think goes to show people are not just interested in in when everything goes right they want to kind of know what happens when it goes wrong um, and so, you know, I've had plenty of, of flops. Most of the time, my flops are due to the fact that I'll sort of, you know, 
being the Gemini I am, get really distracted uh, by <laughs> something. You know, Ooh, shiny! Something walked by, you know, and I can't, I can't, you know, stay focused on maintaining that spell for as long as I need to. I know I've had uh, one uh, one money spell where I was trying to compel somebody that owed me some money to pay me some money, and I did not. I basically just sort of, you know, started the spell, and then I was like, man, they'll pay me if they want to pay me, and so I just sort of lost interest in it. It, it just it didn't work out. Um, so that that tends to be my failing point is the is the follow through. <laughs> well, generally, I mean, yeah, I I would agree with you. I mean, in my own experience, if your heart's not really in it, if you're not really focused and you're not really all there when you do it, mm-hmm. chances are it's not going to work. <laughs> it's just you just don't have the energy to put into it. And I think we've probably all had failures like that where it's just the moment's not right or it's you're just not passionate enough about it. You just don't you don't want it enough. You think you do, but you you don't. There's just not the connection there. I, my experience is kind of the opposite. If I want it too much, I, I actually, Scarlett, I was about to to echo something similar. I think that for me, it's I get so wrapped up in my head about the ramifications if this doesn't go right, and then I start thinking about all of the mundane things I need to start doing to take care of the potential fallout for something that isn't going right or that I need to go right. And if it doesn't, holy crap, what am I going to do? And so I'm not actually putting that, I don't know for, I don't know if clinical is the right word, but that almost clinical level of precision and care and uh, emotional injection that I need to into the work uh, to make it a successful work, Um, which I think is, is why I can't like, do divination for myself because I'm just so in, invested in all of the extraneous. Like I can't be in the moment, if that makes sense. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Like I can't, I don't, I don't feel like I can be here in this moment because I'm already worried about things several steps ahead or several steps behind. Well, and divination for yourself can be really, really difficult because sometimes divination tells you things that really is not what you want to hear. And it's so difficult to be objective when it's something that's personal to you, it's really it's really hard to really understand what the cards or the runes or whatever are trying to tell you. Because if it's something that you're asking a divination system about, it's clearly something that has some meaning and importance to you, right? And so psychologically, it's very difficult to distance yourself from that enough to get accurate information, at least for most people. Or, or or when you really want the cards to say something and they're really saying the opposite. And then you just start going, you know, I am a very smart witch. So I do know that sometimes the tower can actually just like be a good thing. And like, you know, death isn't actually that bad. It's just like change. That can be like really positive. So like, I think this is actually a very good reading for myself. Just like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this choice. I'm going to really commit. And like all the cards are just like giant flashing neon signs. Do not do this thing. And you're just like, be fine, be good. <laughs> uh huh. Yes, that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just you 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 read into it what you want to read, and you just sit there and like have this like active cognitive dissonance against yes. what you are plainly saying. Yep. Jillian, what about you? Well, I, I agree with all that, and I also think it's it's very difficult for magical people, um, you know, who feel close to 
what they're trying to, you know, we, we feel that we should be able to control our, our world to a certain extent because, my God, we're magical people, right? Um, we're powerful, aren't we? <laughs> so when you're getting, if you're doing divination and you're, you're maybe getting a, a result that you either disagree with or it kind of looks like something that, as Firelight was saying, you're not, you know, it's not going your way. Um, it's it's hard to wrap your head around. It's hard to accept, I think, because you're a magical person. Um, and it's hard to admit sometimes that, hey, maybe maybe this just wasn't meant to be. Um, and then on the other hand, I, I do think that there is a certain part of magic, just like any other belief, just like any other thing that you do that maybe is not even spiritual, whether it be... I don't know, training or learning or, you know, as far as school or learning a craft or, or things like that, that you have to put a certain amount of work in it. And, you know, sometimes maybe the work just wasn't there. And it's as simple as that. Um, I think that most of my feelings have been from the fact that I just did not pay enough attention, um, put the amount of work in it that was needed and really just wanted, I wanted what I wanted, but I wasn't willing to do the work, if you know what I mean. No, and I think that's actually a really important point, because uh, Matt, the whole idea of magic to people, especially people starting out, is that sort of pop culture idea that you snap your fingers and it happens, and that it's easy, and that it's, you know, it's it's quick, and it's a, a really simple thing to do if you just read the right book. Really successful magic can be really difficult. It can be really hard work and it takes practice and it takes a certain knowledge base and you have to learn things and you have to understand how energy works and how to manipulate it. And it's, it's not easy. And that's just, actually why I really like that, that TV show in the book series, the magicians, the book series by Love Grossman that got turned to that mm-hmm. sci-fi channel because magic is hard <laughs> and it's yes. a lot of work. Yes. And not everybody can do it and you have to be smart and you have to know your stuff and you have, I mean, it's, you have to like do hard work for it. And I mean, yes, it's fantastical and, and all of that, but the most real world thing about it is that it's hard. And I, I think that, I think that's a really important thing to remember is that effective magic is not necessarily just, you know, super easy. And it's, well, and, and if it is, it's because you've done it for so long that you can, you know, that you know what you're doing by that point. And, and oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just, you brought up something, um, you know, you have to know your stuff. You don't just have to know your stuff. You have to know yourself. You have to go in and do that work. And that is extremely difficult. That's one of the things that makes it so hard. You have to be able Absolutely. to face all that stuff. And if you can't get yourself to even look at it, you're not going to be able to work around it. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and it, you know, I think sometimes that that point of like, oh, my God, this terrible thing just happened. And I need, you know, if 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 I can't get magical intervention immediately, if I can't snap my if I can't zap the situation, then terrible things will happen. I mean, you're just you're not centered. You're not in yourself. You're not you know, you're not being present. Um, and I, I think it's so difficult to do any kind of of magical spiritual work whenever you're just in that place of you know, not being centered, not being in yourself, you know, not being present with yourself. And to me, that's one of the biggest reasons why I have always felt magic is one of those things. It's kind of like learning to play an instrument. You have to practice. 
even even if it's not, you know, yes, I have a dire need right now. The idea of doing visualization or energy exercises or just bringing yourself into an altered state of consciousness, meditation, things like this done consistently over time greatly aid your ability to actually focus and do something when you are in a dire situation and you need help. Because if you wait until you're all stressed out about, you know, whatever the situation is, it's going to be even harder to get yourself to the place you need to be to have a successful spell. I agree. And it's going to be, if you haven't touched anything on your altar for a year, when you are in that dire situation, it's going to not even feel like it's your own altar. You're not going to be intimate with it. You're not going to have done all those things on a daily basis that you're taught, you know, that you're talking about Velma, whether it be, a quick meditation or talking to the moon or reading something or, I mean, it can be anything, but, you know, doing something every day related to magic is very important. And I think that the times that I have felt the farthest away from a personal power in magic is when I've let that stuff go. When I haven't touched stones, when I haven't read, when I haven't spoken to the moon in three months, when I, you know, I've, I've just been out there kind of outside my own head and my own heart. And you, you know, then you're calling upon yourself and it's just not there. You know, so much of magic, so much of magic is relationship based. It's by the relationship with spirits or relationship, like, uh, Scarlett was saying, knowing yourself, having that relationship with yourself to know what you can draw from, what you can like, where your limits are, what your abilities are. I mean, if you if you're not maintaining those relationships, it makes it very easy to short circuit yourself if you try to sit down to do a spell, you know. Absolutely. And and to piggyback off of what you guys are saying, I mean, Jillian, I know that, uh, you know, you and I used to kind of joke back and forth about training and working out and stuff. But like, you know, if. If you've, I don't know, let life go by and yes, sometimes there's good excuses and then sometimes there's not such good excuses for, for not keeping up with a daily practice, a weekly practice or something like that to, to put it into what you and I used to uh, kind of joke around about, you know, training and, and working out. And I know uh, Corey also, uh, you know, kind of jokes around on, on Facebook sometimes about running and things like that. And, um, uh, you know, but if you haven't done it in a while for good excuse, for bad excuse, for no excuse whatsoever, and you go back to it, you you don't get to be surprised when it's like, wait, I can't lift as much as I used to be able to lift. I can't run as far or as hard or as fast as, as I used to be able to run. You know, that I didn't, I mean, I, I distinctly remember, you know, going a few weeks and then the hill that I used to run up just fine, just going, I feel a whole lot more winded today doing this. I mean, you know, it, picking up a dusty practice you know, picking up, uh, uh, you know, like you said, I mean, literally, actually, like Jillian, what you were saying, you know, when your stones have dust on them, <laughs> when you're when you're wiping off the dust from your book of shadow, you know, if you're literally not touching your altar, not touching, it, you know, sacred space, whatever that is for you, if you're not touching it physically, spiritually for an extended period of time to go, Corey, to, back to your uh, statement there. I mean, you know, what relationship could you have with this? What what connection could you have with this? It's going to be hard to get back into it. Right. It's unless going to be hard to rebuild right. those muscles. Unless you're putting uh, fake magical dust on for aesthetic purposes, as I suspect Velma might mm. do on her Book of Shadows. 
<laughs> I, I, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do have kind of a supplemental question to sort of piggyback off of this one. Um, do you think it is possible for there to be certain areas of magic, whether it's, um, you know, divination or candle magic, or whether it's a specific intention like money magic or love magic or whatever, that some people just can't do whatever that thing is. Like I have certain areas um, intention wise where I am pretty much always really, really successful. And then there are other intentions that I have done things for in the past and it never works. It never ever works. And it's really, really frustrating because I don't, I don't understand (laughs) why it doesn't work. The other stuff works. But this particular area never works. Do you think that's do you think that's possible or am I psychotic? You're not psychotic. (laughs) Well, not about that, I guess. Um, (laughs) Thanks for that. (laughs) But I mean, I mean, who, who doesn't have some who doesn't know somebody that has a particular talent in something? And of course, it goes the other way. There's going to be something that is going to be a lot more difficult for certain people. I mean, my mother can do crazy things with the weather. I, she doesn't even try. <laughs> I'm like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even try because it just doesn't seem like something I would be able to handle. <laughs> or maybe it's like, you know, some people are, are naturally, I think, good at math. I'm not one of them. Um, some people are, are wonderful artists. Um, you know, firelight. If, you know, if, if I would try to draw something like, like he draws, um, you're going to get stick figures. Um, <laughs> I don't, and I don't Aww. think even with that, some amount of practice, I would ever be able to do that. So I, I think it's feasible, Velma. I think, I think that makes sense. I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> Aww. No, because seriously, I've wondered about that for a long time. Because I'm like, why doesn't this ever work? I don't understand. I mean, that makes total sense. I mean, you look at it, this. This is me putting on the, you know, the professor hat. But you know, if you look at the folklore of witchcraft, very few witches are like multi-talented superhero witches. They're like, I can do one thing very, very well, or like I can do three things very, very well. So. I think See, and not- this is the kind of thing that nobody actually talks about. You hear about it in folklore, like, oh, you know, yes, she can do anything, but she can't do this, you know, and it's it sort of becomes this iconic fairy tale like superstition about how it operates. And then, you know, you read all of the books and you start doing the things and you meet the authors and you take classes and you and nobody ever says there might just be something that you just can't do. Yeah. Like nobody ever says that. Yeah, and it's not a failing. It's not a failure on your part. I mean, understanding your talents and your strengths as well as your weaknesses are, I think that's part of that knowing yourself, knowing what you have the ability to do. And it doesn't mean that you don't try to continue to grow in those areas either, but, you know, you you work with what you have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you can't meet those specific goals. You just have to find another way to do it. Yeah, yeah, I like that. This, this is the, you know, we're we're good at bending things like rules and fate so we can bend rather than be broken by uh something that comes up against us and challenges our particular abilities. We just you know, bend things around that. So 
Uh, Corey, you actually had a listener uh, submit a really cool question. Um, Megs sent in a question. Uh, do you want to read that one off? Sure. Let me scroll back up to find it. Is there it was so okay? There we go. Uh, how your personal practice and interests have evolved since the beginning. Uh, did you th- did you think you would be where you are? Uh, that kind of thing would be interesting to hear. She says. And I think that's interesting. Just I mean, you know, it has been six years since the first supermood, and most of us, most all of us, started podcasting around that 2009-2010 time frame. So that's the better part of a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'd be interesting to kind of hear how everybody's practices, spiritual paths have have changed uh, in the last well, several years. And not and not even just for the last few years. I mean, since the beginning, most of us were practicing for years and years and years before we even started podcasting. This is true. Uh, Jillian, you want to lead us off? Oh, sure. Um, well, I started out with an interest in Wicca. Um, that's what got me started. Uh, and then eventually I, I found it to be I liked a lot of the pomp and circumstance about it, but I found some of the expectations and what I now know were basically sort of gender role type things. Um, they they kind of got a little bit tedious for me. And then I, I just kind of branched off and sort of started doing my own thing, really, um, to where eventually, I mean, I still refer to myself as a witch, but I don't, I just don't have a label for it anymore other than I'm a witch, but I don't have a label for what type of, of witch or witchcraft. Um, it just, you know, it kind of evolved, but at the same time, maybe devolved <laughs> a little bit. And it's, it's this odd mix of it, just everything that, that seems right to me inside. Um, sometimes I, I mean, honestly, sometimes I veer, you know, Scarlett was talking about changing paths. I mean, I I sometimes, quite honestly, full disclosure, I find myself lost. I wonder if there's anything out there. We've all had this discussion before. Um, Velma and I had it one time not too long ago, and she's like, I just think there's there's more to it than that. Because my thought process was, okay, if, if all it is to be spiritual and all it is to be part of the universe is that... We are born, we die, we're broken down, and we somehow become a part of that universe again. If that's what magic is, if that's what spirituality is, if that's what reincarnation is, that has to be okay with me. Um, And sometimes I really do feel like that. I mean, and then other times I'm like, there's something out there. There are deities. I know there are. Um, I've been in situations before where I know I felt something, saw something, touched something, um, and, and then I doubt. I mean, I'm a big doubter. I'm a big skeptic. I'm a, <laughs> you know, but I just kind of, I think that the universe is magical. Um, it is what I feel that I worship. Um, it's really not male or female. It's, it's something bigger. And I, I just do a lot of earthy stuff, and it's all... I don't want to say it's made up, but it's it's my own thing. I've just made up my own 
spirituality, really, at this point. Does any of that make sense? God. Yeah. <laughs> all, of, all of it yes. makes sense. Every word of it makes sense. <laughs> Jillian, um, the what you what you said that you and Velma had a conversation about, you almost said the, I mean, word for word, uh, the same thing to me several years ago when I had my little, you know, mini pod fading moment and kind of didn't podcast, I think for, my God, I think four or five months or so. Uh, you know, I was having such a problem with, with death at the time and with the finality of everything and kind of having an existential crisis around that. And you said something very similar to me, but it also grounded me in the idea of this spiritual path, this pagan path of mine, not necessarily the pagan path at large, but this, this pagan path of mine is supposed to be a sacred reverence of the natural cycles of things and death is part of that natural cycle and you become part of the earth which means that you are then part of the air and you are part of fire and you are part of water and I mean you know you break down and you become all of these other things and it might not be this this afterlife of you know a a a heaven or a, another plane of existence or something like that like we've thought of but it is a continued kind of existence and and you made me okay with the idea of if that really is what it ends up being that too is okay and that too is beautiful and that too is sacred and I can't even tell you Jillian how much those words have affected me over the years and have truly influenced um how I see cycles of things and how I made myself okay with some of the more uncomfortable parts of what that must mean. And I, I just, I mean, I can't thank you enough because you really helped to bring me out of a very dark place at that time. And it's been years ago and you may not even remember that conversation, but you did that for me. No, I do. I do. I remember it. And I remember when you were going through that and, and I, um, everything that you just said, it, it rings true for me. And it's, you know, it's scary sometimes and it is um i think because we all we all want to believe deep down that there is something more grand um because we do get bogged down in everyday normalcy um and you know you you get to thinking there's got to be something more there's got to be something more but yeah i struggle a lot and, and continue to work through, as you're saying, that if there's not, I've got to be okay with that, too. And I have to embrace it. And I have to understand that it is, it's, it's just another aspect of that ongoing wheel, you know. Um, and well, and, and I, I think that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, I think that's a certain part of the conversation, really. Well, and I think there are certain things, um, certain experiences that uh, people go through in life that can drastically change their relationship with the the divine or what they believe or what they think um, or or what they think their purpose is um, or what anybody's purpose is. Um, and for me, one of the big things, I'm not going to cry, I'm not going to cry. Um, when Peter died, um, that really, (sighs) 
it really made me think what is what is impactful about someone's life and i think the ability and She go down. I think I think we may have lost her in the. <clears throat> she's trying to. I think she's trying to redial. Yeah. <laughs> what a moment, huh? I know. <laughs> yeah. Got that they're in a room with Peter Patton. I saw her. I know I did. It was when we were in um, Salem, Salem, and he did that workshop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I know I met the god yeah i know i did and that's sorry no go ahead go ahead no i i got i got kicked off off of skype so um but no the the ability to um teach and to um help inform someone else or help to inspire someone else um to share the knowledge that you have gained um to me anyway that is a way that reincarnation is the wrong word, but that's that's a way that people stay around. The the spirit of that person continues long after they're gone by the impact that they have on people and the way that those people take that impact and adapt it and change it. And then they impact someone else. And it, it just goes on and on and on. And um, and I thought about that a lot. Um, I think that was really hard for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I don't think I don't think that is the end of it. There is there is something bigger. I don't know what it is. But to me, that that knowledge that the the, the things that I learned from him, not only just you know, from reading his books and, and watching his DVDs, but from also knowing him as a person mm-hmm. that he, he continues for me. Sorry. I didn't mean to be yes. a downer. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. When we lost you, I was, when we lost you, I was saying that Peter Patton was, one experience for me in Salem, I know I I experienced the God Hearn that night at yeah. that workshop. I was know I did. It was. It absolutely- was. Yeah. He he is one of the most remarkable people I've ever met. Yeah. Um, and continues to be. I mean, you know, sometimes I talk to him. <laughs> I, you know, when 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 you just need somebody to just hear you out, <laughs> who won't think you're crazy, you know. I mean, he's yeah. he is one of those people who, I mean, he's on my ancestor altar. You know, yeah. I mean, he's uh, there is a connection there, and I think that you know having someone in your life who has made an impact on you like that, and having them no longer be a part of your life, that's the kind of thing that can change how you feel about spirituality and about your connection to everything and 
you know, the, these are the kinds of things that, you know, we've, we've probably all in some way gone through something like this since we started. So none of us are still the, you know, shiny Wicca 101 fresh out of the box people anymore. You, as you move along your path, things happen and they change you. And if you're lucky and wise, they change you for the better. Agreed. Yeah, Peter. Peter had, yeah, P- Peter had an ability to do to to do that to tap into um, that sort of legacy, that, that ability to leave a legacy, but without any kind of pompousness. That just, mm-hmm. yeah, I still feel I still feel like I, I have him on my ancestral altar too. Um, do, do you have the <laughs> candle, the, the little candle with his picture on it, Velma? Um, I actually have a picture of him that I took in Salem yeah. at that okay. workshop that Julian was talking about. Yeah, I was I wasn't sure if you, I wasn't sure if you did or not. Um, yeah. And yeah, I just remember, I, you know, I just remember how warm and open he he was, and how easy easily he shared uh, kind of his experience, but without like, you know, he never condescended. Um, yeah. When he when he when he shared that that stuff, and it's it's amazing, it, you know, not not to denigrate our, um, you know, our our pagan community, but it's it's sometimes can be really really hard to find a teacher who's that open and warm and that just, you know, doesn't, is not going to put on a, an air of BS. Um, and so it's, it's, I think that's one of the things that was so remarkable about him is that he was really, really interested in sharing with everybody. Um, and I think that, you know, for, for those of us who, who have taken away something of him into our practices, I, I hope that's a piece of him that we carry forward is that mm-hmm. super open, always wanting to share uh, with others mentality. Yeah. And I mean, um, to, to open it up to the, to a broader pagan perspective, yeah. I think that some of the shows that have stayed around as long as they have, um, and some of the blogs and, and things like that have stayed around and have the audiences that they have because they do have that genuine warmth that, that, that Peter had. I mean, maybe not to the same degree, maybe a different kind and, and, you know, all the appropriate caveats to show due deference. But, um, I mean, I, I think that people are seeking community and I think they seek teachers. And I think that it doesn't necessarily have to be a formalized teacher. Like, okay, you're going to take me through a curriculum, uh, you know, so that I can become super witch. I'm going to become level five witch. And, you know, I, I think I think people just want somebody who, like you said, you know, truly cares about your betterment, truly cares that you that you obtain a, a deeper understanding of yourself and of the divine and whatever that ends up meaning to you. And I think that a lot of the folks that stayed around have stayed around because they do exhibit that genuine care that genuine warmth for the community and for seekers. Um, and, and I think that that is important and that that's something that, that I, I truly hope to see continue in the community mm-hmm. uh, because I think we need that. I think we need more encouraging of, of just seekership. Well, and I, I recently went back and listened to um, the, the last few um, podcasts that Peter did before he died um, and one of the very last ones that he talked about, I don't, I don't even remember what had happened, but there was some kind of kerfluffle between Christian Day and some other people in the pagan mm-hmm. community. And so there was this huge uproar and, 
it, it was I mean, it was just it had gotten so out of hand and so messy. And there was all this infighting and witch wars and all of this nonsense. And um, and one of the things that he really talked about was how much we we just we can't do this. We've got to come together as a community. We've got to learn to let shit go. We've I mean, we've we've got to do that. And I, I think that's one of the one of the things that um, all of us have talked about with each other. And I think probably on each of our respective shows, um, we've talked about how, you know, how do we try to create a cohesive community of people that isn't going to have all of this infighting and, you know, I mean, and how do we do that? It's, it's now, you know, it's two years later and are we in a better place now than we were then? You know, has progress been made? I, that's to me, that's one of those things that the five of us, um, can maybe help to usher along is, you know, the idea of community as opposed to just a group of pagan people. Mm-hmm. Well, and since we're, we're sort of on that topic, um, uh, Amanda wrote in, um, Amanda, who I got the pleasure of meeting. She was in Chicago this past week and I got to meet for about 42 seconds. So. Hi, Amanda. Um, she wrote in and she said, what does a mature pagan community look like? What does a mature pagan do to promote understanding and growth in their community? Should mature paganism be reasonably afraid of mainstream approval worldwide? Hmm. Oh. So I'm going to throw that bomb out. <laughs> I, I did kind of transition that on purpose, but I approve. Thank you. That was a very smooth transition. But I do think it's a really, I mean, I think it's a really important question for a lot of reasons, and I don't know that I have the answer. Um, let, let's let's break this down and talk about first what would a mature pagan community look like. Well, I said this on, uh, I was I was on a show called The Hippie Witch uh, a couple weeks ago, and um, something came out of my mouth that I was not expecting to come out of my mouth. Uh, and I said, I think that we all need to be a whole lot more okay with being wrong about things. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we were talking earlier about what has changed the most about each of us on our spiritual paths. Um, I think the thing that has changed the most about Firelight and Inciting a Riot in 2009 and Firelight in 2016, 2017 is I'm a whole lot more okay with being wrong about things. I'm a whole lot more okay with not knowing things and asking questions instead. Um, you know, I'm still all about good research and I'm still about good arguments and, and good logic, but I am also much more okay with knowing that I don't know something and asking instead of just like, Oh, well, I'm going to go do my thing and just say, well, this is the answer. Cause I looked it up. And so that's how it is. Um, but I think a mature pagan community is okay with with being wrong or at least admitting that we don't have all the answers. And I would also add to I think you're right. Um, but I would also add to that that I think when you learn that you are wrong, trying to continually learn things, yes. you know, not just being happy and complacent in your wrongness, you know, I mean, it's one thing to go, oh, okay, I'm wrong, and move on. And it's another thing to say, oh, okay, I'm wrong. What does that mean? What, what, you know, what are the other viewpoints on this? And and 
what about what I'm saying or thinking or doing is wrong? And how do I learn from this? I'm big on learning in case you hadn't ever figured that that out. And Velma, I think that that's kind of the conversation that we started in, in our revival of Iabha was, you know, there are some some parts of our community and some terms and things like that 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 you know we're all just okay with vagaries or, right now, and it, instead of of tackling issues head on, and I think that that sort of is the next step is stopping stop living in vagaries, you know, stop existing in just gray space and instead saying, okay, maybe it is time for us to have some mature conversations about what things are and, you know, what things aren't and what we're okay with and what we're not okay with and the kinds of spaces that we want to create and what kinds of spaces we don't want to create and things like that. I mean, I think there's some important conversations because I, I see topics come up from time to time and they tend to blow up because some situation happened and it feels like the same conversation comes up, you know, ritual space, uh, uh, public ritual, um, this convention, you know, something always happens at this convention or that convention or something like that. And it just seems like the same kinds of conversations typically come up and there's a big kerfuffle that somebody ought to do something. Capital S somebody as though it's a superhero. Somebody should swoop in and do something. And then we're all just like, ooh, squirrel. And, and we just kind of actively forget and we actively just don't do anything. Well, but I think that's something that we as a society do. I mean, just on the whole, in general, there are there are things that happen and there's this huge outrage immediately after. And this is wrong and this is this needs to be changed. And this, you know, and for a week or two, there's, you know, all this stuff happening and then if you look back on it a month later, you're like, yeah, whatever happened to that? <laughs> like, that was like a big deal like three weeks ago. And nobody's talking about it anymore. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that comes to mind, and I know that it's a very uncomfortable conversation because it's a really sticky topic, but um, there was a lot of conversation when Kenny Klein uh, got brought out on mm-hmm. on. Uh, those child uh, uh, porn charges. And, you know, I don't see a lot of follow-up about that situation. And there were so many people that, I mean, I wrote a blog on that. And that, I think, has been the most commented blog I've ever had because people just came out of the woodworks, the woodworks, to start saying, oh my God, this has been a problem for years. Everybody always had issues about that. Nobody ever said anything, you know, but everybody always knew. And it, they started talking about other convention, other camps, other events where other people in other situations started having. Other, and then we just stopped talking about it. Hmm. And I get that it's uncomfortable and I get that it's gross. And there are so many other conversations. I mean, it's not just that and not just hard, deep issues, but, you know, definition issues, who gets to have, have what space issues? Who gets to be invited into what space kind of issues? What we want to call ourselves? I mean, all sorts of things. We have these these big heated conversations that everybody jumps in on and says, I know we've been talking about the fact that we need to talk about this for years. I'm not sure that it has really stopped. Like like you have a big 
kerfuffle and then it just dies down and everybody stops talking about it. I think it's like you have the big moment of realization. And I think it is on people's minds and it is in people's conversations. It's just not quite as big. And I think the awareness is growing on all these different issues that pop up. Um, and I think, I don't know, just kind of to go back to what having a community means is to treat each other with respect and not just, okay, I'm having a respectful conversation with you because we're both adults, but actually thinking in terms of, of your dignity and their dignity and this person's dignity and what it means to treat each other with dignity. Am I making sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And I, and I think that, and I think that part of that needs to be that we do get to a point where we feel comfortable engaging in conversation without fear of, well, if I say this wrong, what are people going to say about me? You know, I mean, it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people are afraid to speak up because, oh, well, what if I'm wrong? What if I, I'm not the best researched or what? Oh, God, what did they already talk about this? Uh, you know. What, well, what if they think I'm a crazy person or whatever? I mean, I think people are afraid to speak up. And I don't think that that's just a pagan community problem. Yeah, that, that's I agree 100% on that. I think that's that's just a product of living in the information age that we live in. But Well, and I think there are a lot of people, too, who, when they feel passionately about something, instead of being able to have a conversation, they get ready for a fight. And they go into mm-hmm. it as, I am going to have a fight about this. And I... I can see both sides of it because I understand the passion and I understand the outrage and I, I get it. But at the same time, fighting and looking for a fight isn't going to fix the problem. So it's, you know, it's, it's being able to have the conversation and actually listen to each other and be able to state your, your ideas and your thoughts in a manner that can be understood by other people. <laughs> so would it help us then if, if, you know, just thinking about the idea of the mature pagan community, I think, you know, if you look back at the pagan communities of the really the late sixties to through the mid eighties, they had some common goals, at least in some of the, some of the different groups that helped to guide them. And I think, you know, well, were those? I mean, wasn't? Are, are you talking about that that like set of tenets? I don't remember the. That, well, there's there's that, that too. Those body. those are more credos and dogmas. But there was you know sort of a, a rallying around um, religious freedoms for one thing. Um, sure. There was also the rallying around environmentalism, and I think that in in recent years I've seen less common goals being. Um, sort of laid out for the community. And maybe that has to do with the fact that there's so many diverse interests uh, in the pagan community currently. But I'm I curious, a- you know, if we had a target, if we had things that we were shooting for, you know, when we had the, um, the tombstones, uh, the, the military tombstones, yes, that was a sanctuary laid, led the charge mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. That, and that was a rallying point. You really saw lots of communities come together over that, which was remarkable. I think the Awen just got approved um, this week, perhaps, so oh, I, I think, didn't know that. Yeah, so I think things are, you know, it's one of those, one, you know, yay us. <laughs> but two, also, it's it's nice to have common goals that we can focus on because they give us common ground. Do you think it's harder, though, now to come up with what those common goals are because the community itself is so much more splintered? I mean, the time period you're talking about didn't have this enormous wave of eclectic Wicca and paganism that 
sort of branches out in all directions. It was a little bit more, if you were pagan, you fell into more specific, for lack of a better word, denominations. I mean, there were, there were more rigorous, there was more rigorous structure behind what you were doing. Right. It was so often it was a regionalized thing where, you know, you, you might not want to be a Druid, but that's all that was available in your area. You were a Druid, you know? Right. Um, So that did have some impact. I think if you, if you look at some of the, the, the sort of the history books on the, obviously there's Atwood and there's persuasions of the witch's craft and a couple of other, you know, history books, books of sort of pagan history that have come out. Um, and you can look and see that people had united goals, but you're right, largely because they were sort of forced into a position of being united by geography, by um, sort of not being able to splinter off and form their own kind of subcells and subsections. And I, and I don't know, I, you know, I love the I love the openness that paganism, that uh, pagan friendly beliefs. Um, animism, uh, polytheism. I love the openness that so many of these things have, but at the same time, we also see sometimes that getting extrapolated from that context of openness, that context of, uh, you know, very, uh, sort of, I don't know, uh, free flowing spiritual unity. It, it becomes splintered off and becomes this thing that then gets really really complicated or can be used to shut out other people so you have that i think was it the there's the the it's not ossetry but it's the, the folk society or whatever it is that they call themselves mm-hmm. that it becomes well, sort of a it, radicalized yeah. right version of, yeah. of paganism folkish yeah folkish, anybody that identifies as folkish yes yeah. and so i think that happens. but uh, the, the unfortunate part about that is that so much of the folkish does overlap with with identified as true and you know a lot of that is is just sort of overlapping and that becomes a problem it mm-hmm. becomes a problem because then that's what's associated with it but you have that all throughout the pagan community i mean there's oh at, at this point there's so i mean there's been so much bastardization of everything that nothing you can't point back to any one thing anymore and say this the way this person is doing this is the way this whole thing started like at this point, I, nobody does it the way Gerald Gardner did it. And he bastardized a whole bunch of stuff to create it in the first place. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's just, it is a religion of splinters. That's what it, that, that community, that's what we are. We are, we are, we're Ooh, not special. I hear speaking. the hate mail topping in now. It's the true Gardnerian though. Wiccans are going right into you. It's true though. I mean, y'all I, just send it to, Thema don't give a f at gmail.com. <laughs> I totally you send that, that email. email. <laughs> but no, it's true. It's true. I, I mean, it's I, Jillian. Go ahead. No, it is. I agree. I was just gonna say I agree. And one of the things that I enjoy so much about the community is is that you know you you can basically do your own thing within all these splinters as I do, as I said a little bit ago, you know, it's like I, I take from here and there and what feels right. Um, but the other thing is, as you're saying, Velma, there's nothing that you can point to that says, this is the way you do this. This is the way you do that. And I think it's a pure numbers game too, to a certain extent, um, because there are so many pagans out there now. Um, you know, fastest growing religion um, in the country, whatnot. So 
of course, it, it, that makes it even more splintered and it makes it even more difficult for people to come together and decide, okay, these are the three things that we agree that we are going to work towards. Well, and I, I think that I think I think that the pagan community as a whole tends to lean left politically, socially, a lot of things. And I promise we're not going to get into modern day politics, but just to talk about social groups for a second. Folks that that tend to lean a little left or far left, as the case may be, um, tend to not necessarily get behind causes, especially in the modern age, not get behind causes unless it just absolutely makes everybody happy. There's so many groups and we need any issue to be as equi equitable as humanly possible, whereas folks that lean towards the right are more likely to give up some comforts if it's good for most. If it's good for most, we're okay with it. If it's populist, we're okay with it. Folks on the left has to be equitable. Everything has to work for everybody. And I think the problem is we can't here in the vegan community these days rally around an issue, rally around a cause because, oh, well, that leaves out so-and-so group of 120 people or, you know, so-and-so group, you know, it, it leaves these people out. And, you know, something I've said on my show before is, is, you know, it's okay for us to be forks. Doesn't, doesn't mean that spoons are, are a bad thing. It doesn't mean anything negative if you're a spoon. It just means you're not a fork. Or, you know, if you're a fork, it's not a terrible thing that you're not a spoon. It just means well, you're a fork. Yeah, part of the problem, though, is we have a lot of spoons who define themselves as forks and a lot of forks who define themselves as spoons, <laughs> which complicates the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, we well, do. They, you know, you God know. made forks, too, so. Yes. That's very true. God needs knives. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Jillian. <laughs> Do you think, though, that part of it is, since a lot of people, um, I won't say the majority, but there are a lot of people in the pagan community who do at least initially get into it and start learning about it as an act of rebellion, Oh, sure. Do you, do you think that, and this sort of leads into the idea of mainstream approval, that was the last part of Amanda's question. Um, do you think that we will ever get there when there are so many people who joined it specifically because it is rebellious? It's not what they're supposed to do. It's not what their family likes. It's not what their friends like. They're, you know, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's a fashion statement, but I think for some people, at least it starts out that way. Um, it may develop into something more, but when you have a group of people where there's this sort of undercurrent for some of them of bucking the system, to me, I think that makes it even harder to try to get any kind of cohesion because you've already got this rebellious energy and no, no, I don't want to conform to anything, even if it's something that I now think is a good idea. I, you think I, we'll I, ever get there to any I'm form not, of I'm not on video, people? so you can't see my, my head shaking so much that it's about to pop off my neck. But no, I, I don't. I do not think that we're ever going to get to a point where we have to worry about mainstream acceptance. I really don't. I mean, we're right now. Now, the best we can hope to be is 0.03% of the population. And the, the way the community is so splintered and so, you know, hell-bent on no new people joining, it seems to me, 
no new people joining. And if those new people join, they need to have already. Co- I mean, it's like those those companies that want, you know, 20 year olds with 30 years of experience already before they'll hire you. It's like, OK, well, you can join. But, you you know, tell me how many fingers I'm holding up behind my back. And you just start like, you know, just like switching fingers behind your back or something like it's just, you know, we we don't seem to want new people to join. And we kind of hate everybody that's already in the group. I don't see us <laughs> ever really blowing up into some mainstream rival religion to rival any of the, the top five. I mean, we're kind of in the uh, Wicca's in the top ten by default, because as far as like organized religions with a name, there aren't that many, really. Well, but I mean, I don't even mean as, you know, a major religion. I just mean where, you know, people don't have to be um, embarrassed or scared to wear. I mean, but but what I guess maybe I'm expressing this badly. But I mean, do you think that there are people within the community who are intentionally not trying to become a cohesive community as an act of rebellion because they don't want approval? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, but uh, so and devil's advocate said that if we're talking about the idea of this being a mainstreaming thing, I mean, we've done a remarkable job of being able to be in the mainstream, being in sort of the popular mind uh, and be accepted. I mean, you, you're saying we're point zero three percent of the population, right? Um, was it point three or point zero three? Somewhere there. Point zero three. You know, uh, I think I think uh, the Sikh religion is probably much larger than us and. It doesn't get the representation we do in media, partly nope. because it's not it doesn't have the glam factor. Um, but, you know, we you know, you had charmed. We had, uh, you know, Willow on Buffy, who at least was describing herself as a Wicca and kind of had some tenants floating around. Now, you know, cast those aside for season six, maybe. But there were, you know, some some things going on uh, and you still have, you know, what was the one a couple of years ago? Was it Beautiful Creatures or whatever, where she comes from the family of oh, casters God. and there are these specific rules about how that works? You know, we do see in popular culture, at least, that we have some some mainstream clout, I think. Uh, we well, do is get that, do you think that's, is is that real? us as a religion or is that because it's just, you know, somebody went to Wikipedia and looked up witch and saw, oh, hey, there's people in 2017 doing witch stuff, too. They call themselves Wiccans and we're going to write that into the script. I mean, uh, well, yeah, I don't. Or, or is it because witches on TV are sexy? Like sure. witchcraft, witchcraft in and of itself is a sexy idea. The ability to right. manipulate energy and do magic. That's a sexy idea. So are we really approved of? Or well, again, is it it's, the it's, idea of pop culture? Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't for a second I, think that anybody's portraying real pagans. I don't think for a second these, anybody's portraying real people. The, these things, I mean, they're, they're just part of the culture. They're just, it's part of, it's a universal idea to have, you know, a witch or a, or a, a somebody who can do magic or that kind of thing. So it's kind of, it's just there already mm-hmm. that we're. I don't know where I was going with that, but you know what I mean. <laughs> but but even outside that, I mean, we again, you know, we got the Awan, we got the 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 pentagram, um, you know, things things that you know th- that's not pop culture in the sense of it being pure media. That's something that is pervasive through you know military funerals, and yet it's it's there. We we have representation. We have people who are speaking loud enough to make a dent in the in in the popular perception of who we are. Um, and again, yeah, I think you're, I think you're totally right. I think there is a sexy factor. I think there is this like, ooh, there's magic involved. And no, there's Harry Potter. This, you know, this sort of all ties into that too. 
But again, I don't think that other religions that maybe have a higher actual population um, get the kind of traction that we can get in mainstream culture. Um, and I think it's because of that, because that it, it's already there. Whereas, I mean, if you take, I don't know what's a good example, um, but some some of the, you know something that's not a mainstream religion, but it it doesn't have as much, but it has more people in it. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't they don't have their own TV shows because it's not it's not already there to be picked. It's not already there to be identified. Okay, well, okay. So, Scarlett, to your point, let's let's pick a population of people that are larger. Four percent of the American population thinks that the world is run by shape changing lizard men. Nobody is putting those people. <laughs> as characters in a TV show yeah, with any right. kind of sense of seriousness. I mean, they make up a statistic, they dwarf us statistically. I mean, okay, dwarf but, us. Okay, but. And there aren't a bunch of characters on TV, you know, talking about the secret government run by shape-changing lizard people. Corey, why aren't you jumping up and down? But <laughs> if you look back at folklore and traditional stories, which have been around for a very very long exactly. time i don't think that's, i don't think these lizard the people have been around as long as the idea of the sorceress or the witch or you know the the magician or whatever but i don't know i have a hard time thinking that what witches really do what modern day pagan practitioners really actually do is as accepted by people who are familiar with the idea of the pop culture witch as you guys are saying. Because when you when you approach somebody whose only exposure to the idea of modern paganism or witchcraft is pop culture, those are the people who ask you if you sacrifice babies. And those are the people who want to sort of get in your face a little bit about, oh, well, you know, whip out your wand. You know, and it's I don't know that there's that same level of acceptance that you're saying. Yeah, they know about it. They're familiar with it from a pop culture standpoint. But in terms of really understanding and accepting what it truly is, I think there's a difference there. Here's my my question. Just just because I'm curious and this is probably just a tangent. I want to know if you have encountered a lot of people that do ask you if you sacrifice babies and want you to whip out your wand. I personally, no, I have not. But then again, I don't interact with a lot of people and a lot of people that I do interact with have no idea that I'm involved in any of this. I mean, I don't, I don't really advertise it in any way. I don't wear a pentacle. I don't talk about it. I don't, you know, I mean, it's, it's not something that in my normal life, I really advertise. So I don't, I don't open myself up to that. But I certainly know people who have had that happen. Um, and I have had it happen once or twice, but not, not as much as other people that I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. I'm, I know I mean, it happens. I just, I always wonder about that. Like, well, how often does that actually, how often do people get approached that way? And, and what are the actual interactions that people have? Yeah, I, I tend to very loudly reject the idea that the pop culture witch, and I'm going to include the pop culture Wiccan, it is, is not, representational and is not supposed to be representative of a real life Wiccan pagan person. In some cases, yes. In some cases, yes, I will concede that, but not all of them. 
Right, but I mean, you could say that about uh, most religious representations that are minority religious, religious representations, the pop culture perception of Buddhism, pop culture perception of Hinduism. Think about how many people practice yoga and use terminology to extract, extract it from Hindu practice with absolutely no context within, within right. Hindu practice. I, you know, I, I think for the percentage of population that we are, we do remarkably good PR. Um, and or, I think. Or how many people think that Buddha is a jolly fat man? <laughs> Exactly. I mean, we there there is a lot of this floating around out all, there. And all you people with you river deities don't know. <laughs> it's yeah. It's just some, it's something where you know I don't think I don't think you're wrong. I think that there is, and I think there's also the problem of Velma. You're right. There's the folkloric witch. There's a very specific figure um, that has been called a witch for so long, and then there's the sort of practicing neo pagan twentieth twenty first century person who uses the term which and those things can be conflated very easily but i do think that again given the size of our population and given our traction in popular culture we're we're not doing badly I, well <laughs> this is why these conversations usually take all night at super <laughs> <laughs> uh, involve beer <laughs> uh, which yes, is um it, this has been a fantastic phenomenal conversation and if you guys liked it please write us in and let us know if you'd like us to do it again because i i had a ton of fun um we're gonna have to be velma do you have any idea what hour it is some of us have lives (laughs) in the morning i don't (laughs) i don't either um so uh for uh, Jillian, Scarlett, and Corey, in that order, if you want to give your contact info so that people can get in touch with you. Uh, you can get me at JillianChase at gmail.com. Uh, Chase is C-H-E-Y-S-E. Or my website is outlawvegan.com. Uh, Miss Scarlett. Oh, I didn't know I was next. Um, uh, sorry, I've, I'm getting to the end of my hot toddy. Need <laughs> 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 another one. <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> That's the point. Um, email address is uh, lakefrontpaganvoice at yahoo.com. Uh, and you can probably find me a bunch of other places. Just uh, Scarlet Page is my name, but it's hard to look me up because my last name is Page, and everybody's got a page. So <laughs> if you want to find me, like Front Peg and Voice, that's the best way to find me. Uh, Corey, nobody's ever heard of you. Do you want to tell folks uh, what you do when you're not talking on this show? When I'm, when I'm not I- I- engaging in verbal fisticuffs with Velma. Um, <laughs> uh, and we, we love each other. Velma and I love each other. Everybody should We do. We um, do. Uh, you can find me at newworldwitchery.com. I'm so glad that heats off me for one. <laughs> <laughs> you're both such your fun boy. to. You're so such fun to play with, all of you. I just love it. God, uh, yeah. So newworldwitchery.com, best way to get in touch with me. Compassandkey at gmail.com, also a good way. Uh, Velma and I, as you all well know, do not, uh, tweet together. Um, that would be a very bad thing. Uh, I am at Inciting a Riot on Twitter. Um, you can also, uh, find me on Facebook, Firelight. Um, Velma? I am at Witches Brouhaha on Twitter, and I am Velma Nightshade on Firelight. Or on Firelight. <laughs> 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 on, 
<laughs> oh, I just got a new ringtone. I'm just telling you that. Uh, <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> I can't close out the show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I I'm distracted. I have a case of the shinies. Just <sighs> okay. Either, either well, it's the uh, I don't know. You can email us inciting a brouhaha at gmail.com. Please like, rate, and comment and subscribe to the show on iTunes and uh, uh, we have a Facebook page facebook.com slash yabhaha um, and Velma's on Firelight <laughs> so uh, thank you all so much for being on the show I hope that you all will come back again um, thanks for having us at some point yeah. <laughs> we love you guys we miss you I miss you this has been wonderful. Let's not wait hey, six guys. years. To if, this if, again. You, if you guys are interested, just letting you know, uh, Lane and I are organizing. There's a, an exhibit of magical artifacts, ancient magical artifacts, at uh, the Penn Museum in Philadelphia, and we will be setting that up for sometime in May. Um, if anybody feels like taking a trip out to Philly and uh, and having one of these little reunions in person. So. Oh my God! When in May? Do you know? Uh, I'll have to send you info. We're sort of uh, looking. I think towards early to mid-May. Oh, that, that would be perfect. I okay. totally want to go. Yeah, I'll let you know. All awesome. right, so we're going to say later, witches. Bye. 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 Bye.